Morena, welcome to the Fari of Ihu Karaiti. All right, welcome to the house of Jesus Christ. So you're so welcome if you're uh, if you're new here or if you're visiting. Hi, Mai. Hi, Mai. Welcome. You feel uh, feeling at home here? I hope. Um, this morning we're going to be looking at about what it means to be God's family, which is just awesome actually because we've had. Uh, we've had demonstrations of that already, haven't we? We've had uh, baby dedications, you know, uh, blessing our children. Uh, we've had, um, you know, friends and family coming in. We've, uh, we've, we've heard from uh, friends from the Netherlands, you know, family from the Netherlands. Uh, and if you go to our crèche, we've got, you know, we're looking after our children. We, uh, you know, we're here serving early in the morning. This is, this is family, right? This is uh, uh, King's Church is family. Uh, part of the series that we are, um, are going through at the moment is just to look at the core values of what's really important to us as a church. And the fact that the church is God's family on earth is a really important truth for us. Okay? We are not a professional business entity. Uh, we're not a professional organization. You know, we are God's household. And so turn to the person next to you and say, welcome uh, to the family of God. <laughs> Welcome. Get <laughs> you to break into song soon. So yeah, we do believe that the church is God's family on earth, and that's what I'll be speaking about this morning. So we're looking at questions like, what does it look like to be God's family? Uh, how did this family come about? Who belongs uh, in this family? Now, there's one thing we know about family is that it's not an individual thing, is it? You know, come over to my house, come and meet my family, and then you come over to the house and it's just them sitting on their own. No, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a big group. There's lots going on. Uh, it's, a, it's a corporate thing. And it's not a connection. It's not relational bonds based on interests. I mean, I'm very different than my sister, all right? But no matter what happens, no matter what we're interested in, we are always connected. We are always brother and sister. Uh, so it's not an individual thing. But the challenge of understanding the church as God's family is that we live in a very individual culture, don't we? You know, it's my individual aspirations, my goals, you know, it's, it's mostly about me. Uh, and also church history has tended, you know, recent church history has tended to focus on the individual as well, on how the individual gets right with God in order to spend eternity with him, right? Which is a good thing. Of course it's a good thing. But it's not the full picture, is it? Right? It's not, it's not the full picture. So often we, we get presentations of, of the gospel and they are individual uh, presentations. Right? How are you going to get right with God? Your sin has separated you from God. You know, be forgiven. And of course it's true, but we don't hear a lot about family, about Fano. We don't hear a lot about God's big plan to rescue a family for himself. We don't hear a lot about the corporate nature of what God has done in and through the gospel. And so what we need to do sometimes is come back to the Bible and, and read it afresh with fresh new lenses uh, of, of what it means to be God's family. Right, and that's what we're going to try and do uh, this morning. And we're going to do that by looking at Paul's letter to the Romans. A bit of light reading uh, this morning. Paul's letter to the Romans. Now, Paul, this letter here is Paul's clearest presentation of the gospel in the whole Bible. The gospel being the good news about what God the Father has done in and through his Son. Something happened in Jesus Christ of Nazareth dying on a cross, and it's good news. 
And this good news is about what the Father has achieved through his Son. And so what we'll do by skimming through a few chapters of Romans is that we will see that in and through Jesus, God was forming, or you might say reforming, a grand and glorious family for him. But not a single nationality family, not a single ethnicity family, but a worldwide family of many nations and many ethnicities. Now, the thing about Romans is it's like a good cheesecake, all right? Uh, it's dense and it's intense, okay? And so we tend to pick little verses of Romans and we put them up on a mantelpiece, but we forget the, we forget the whole story, the whole flow, and how that individual verse fits within that story. And when we do that, when we get an appreciation of the whole flow of what Paul's saying, then these individual verses, which we often apply individually, then start to make a whole much more sense when we're looking at God's family, all right? Uh, and just as a little side note here, this screenshot here is a, uh, it's a YouTube video called uh, The Bible Project. If you just Google Bible Project Romans, they have really good videos, five to ten minutes, and they just overview a whole book of the Bible, and it's a really good way just to capture the whole flow of it and then go and study an individual verse. Um, so what, we're gonna, what I'm going to try and do this morning is, is skim the first few chapters of Romans, picking out a few verses. We'll hopefully land in, in chapter 5. And we're going to see that this good news about Jesus' Son that uh, is all about God making a family for himself. Okay, so does everyone have a Bible handy? Uh, everyone got a friend with a Bible? You got a nap, you know? I heard a story of, uh, of a kid who grabbed a magazine recently and tried to swipe it. All right, so used to apps and iPads now. All right, so whether you're swiping or whether you're turning... All right, grab a Bible, and let's just let's work through this uh, together. Okay, so I've got some slides uh, as well. So here we go. We'll see everyone up for this, all right? It's going to be a little bit of a process, but let's engage our hearts, let's engage our minds, and, and let's work through this together. Okay, so Romans 1. Romans 1, in verse 3 to 5, it talks about that the gospel is good news from God about his son Jesus. Now, this good news, it isn't just an individual thing, all right? It's a big picture thing. It's going to, around verse 4, I think it is, talks about impacting the nations, about bringing obedience from all the nations. So this is a big corporate work that God is about to do in and through his son. And it's about a family. Verse 6 and verse 7. You who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, who are loved by God, and called to be saints. This is from God our Father. Just listen to this language. God our Father. Belonging. Loved by God. Wow, this is a big deal. This is about belonging and family. It's about, it's about God uh, bringing about a family for himself. And that's how these words, those family and belonging, these are, these are how we are to understand the rest of Romans. Okay, not just about how the individual gets right with God, although it is, of course, about that. But you know, God's heart and his passion is that a people would belong to him. All right, Jeremiah 31, when Israel was at their lowest point, God speaks in and says, I will make a new covenant uh, with the people of Israel. I will be their God and they will be my people. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. 
This is God's promise. He says, first of all, I will be their God. They will be my people. Sounds like a family to me, doesn't it? Four, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. All right, the forgiveness of sins was an end, was a means to an end that we might belong to him. For too often we hear the gospel out is only about forgiveness of sins and praise God for that. But it doesn't stop there. Forgiveness of sins means you are welcomed into God's family, all right, into his whānau. That was the promise all along. Now, uh, my wife, Becca, she's out having with the kids today, but she tells a story about when she was working at a daycare and she had just recently become a Christian. And I don't think anyone else at the daycare knew she was a Christian yet. But there was one other lady there who was a Christian. And Becca's on her lunch break. She's walking past um, uh, this other lady sitting and have her lunch break. And the Holy Spirit spoke to that lady and said to her, she's one of mine. She belongs to me. And then, so from that, she piped up a conversation. Are you a Christian? Do you know God? And, and then she was, you know, like a really uh, loving friend uh, in that workplace. But notice God didn't say, you know, she is made right and holy and pure and spotless with me. Of course, all of that was true. But God's heart, even beyond that, is she belongs to me. She is my daughter. All right? And if we, if we hear about the gospel and the forgiveness of sins, and it doesn't move our heart, that we have a loving father who adores us and who just lo- welcomes us into his family, then we haven't heard the full expression of the gospel. We've stopped that forgiveness of sins and haven't moved on to the greatest revelation. The, great, uh, the greatest uh, revelation of the gospel is actually adoption, that we are welcomed into his family, that we belong to him. Catch the heart of the father in that. So Romans 1 continues, though, because it explains that there's something in the way of people belonging to him. Verse 18 in chapter 1 makes it clear. Ungodliness and unrighteousness of man. And you see, the problem is mankind is rotten at the core. We look good on the outside, we have a nice facade, but something is terribly out of joint with mankind and with creation. And that's because we are separated from him in our sin, in our wickedness. Verse 21 of Romans 1 talks about the fact that people knew God, but they didn't honour him as God or give thanks to him. So our thinking went downhill, our actions went downhill, we became separated from him. Now, I don't know if you, if you, um, you know, watch the news, uh, or you might be on the BBC swiping away or something like that, and you hear of these great atrocities in the world, of these injustices. I read one recently, and as a builder, it really riled me that there was a rubbish tip and there's a whole bunch of poor people living in the rubbish tip. Uh, and because the, count, because the local community, you know, they didn't have the right farming practices or something, this big flood came and basically washed away the rubbish tip and all the people living in there. And, and lots of deaths, but mostly from the poorest of the poor. And you read something like that and I mean, you read something like that and something just irks inside you, doesn't it? Like that that, that, that is not right and that justice must be done. Has anyone had a feeling like that in the last couple of weeks as you're reading the news or something like that? It's like, that is not right. That's a God-given feeling. That's how, that's how like God feels, but on a much bigger scale. He is, he is, uh, he is torn. He, is, uh, he, he, he angers. He, he, he just longs for justice when he sees that. So, although we are rotten at the core and although we are full of wickedness, 
He can't overlook that, can he? And that's where Romans 2 starts to talk about God's anger and wrath um, and his judgment. And this is where we start um, looking at the law court language that's common in Romans. You see, God is a loving father, but he's also just and holy. And so he can't overlook our wickedness, but he must deal with it. And there will come a day where, uh, where judgment will be done. And verse 6, he will render each one according to his works. So this is law court language that Paul's using. You can literally imagine God you know, as a judge with a gavel and he's there and, and he, is, he is angry at sin and he is, going to decl- he is going to pass judgment. But the problem is that who's in line, who's in the dock? Well, every single person in all of history. You know? It's like we are all under the same sentence. We are all guilty. And so you've got the situation where God is a loving father. He is also a, 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 you know, a righteous judge. And so how is he going to bring those two together? How is he going to bring about this family of, of people who are loved by him and are forgiven when every single one of us is in the docks? And that's where we get to Romans chapter 3. That's where we start looking at the Israelites. A lot of people don't know what to do with the Israelites, and we skip most of the Old Testament as a bit of additional reading. We get to the good stuff about the gospel, about how to be made right and get to heaven when you die, and we don't know what to do with all the other stuff. It's just good moral stories, or it's a narrative you can read, or you know, psalms you can sing, or something like that. Actually, you know, the Bible, from start to finish, is a story of God's redemptive plan. And so he calls the Israelites to be his special possession, to be a people that belong to him. Abraham's family. But they weren't just called to sort of huddle in a corner, you know, and, and, and enjoy God's love and presence while everything else was going, you know, downhill. They were called to be a light on a hill and the means through which God would solve this dilemma. They to be the means through which God would bring about his salvation. And so, um, uh, here we go. So he says in that top slide there in Isaiah 49, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore just the tribes of Jacob and Israel. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. He calls this people, he calls Abraham's family in order through which to deal with this problem of wickedness and sin and to bless all the nations of the earth through him. Right? That was Abraham's calling, wasn't it? Abraham was called by God. God said to him, Abraham, all the nations on the earth, all the families on earth are going to be blessed through your family, through you. That was Abraham's promise. As one theologian has put it, Abraham and his family, Abraham's calling and his family, were, uh, their calling was to be the answer to Adam's sin. Right, what God was doing in and through Israel was to be the answer to Adam's sin so that salvation might come through them to the nations. All right? That's why in chapter 3, verse 2, if you're still following me in your Bible there, 3, verse 2, it talks about the, um, the Israelites being entrusted with something. They were entrusted with the very words of God in order to bless the nations. Now, uh, anyone deliver mail or you know, anyone, you know, a postman or a postwoman or anything like that, deliver papers as a kid maybe. I used to do that, all right, and I used to get into a bit of trouble because when I couldn't be bothered, I'd go and store them in the bush until I could be bothered doing it. No. <laughs> Forgiven, righteous, set free. Um, 
I'm talking when I was young and uh, rebellious. Uh, and so, but when you're given letters, right, you're entrusted with them in order to what? Not for your benefit, but to pass them on. But what happened with Israel, it's like the equivalent was they were a mailman, now a postman, and they hoarded all of these letters and basically had this big pile of letters and going, well, look how important and, and you know, look how amazing we are, we have all these letters. Forgetting that what God was doing through them was not just for them, but to bless all the nations on the planet, all right? But here's the thing. Here's the, as you read the Old Testament, it becomes very obvious they failed in that calling, all right? They, as their own prophet said, they were unfaithful. So um, verse three of Romans chapter three starts talking about their unfaithfulness. You know, they, have, they have failed in their calling to be a blessing to the world, but God said that through them, he was gonna do something. So has God's promise you know, has God become unfaithful? He said he was going to do something and now they've failed. How does this all work out? Well, basically, enter Jesus. Now, Jesus was what? He was an Israelite, all right? And he was the Messiah. And so he represented his people. And all the promises in Jesus are what? Yes and amen. In other words, all the promises to Abraham, all the promises about them being you know, the light through which the whole, all the nations of the w- w- earth would be blessed, all of these promises that, that, that he was going to be a light to the, you know, they were going to be a light to the world were realized in and through Jesus, who represented his people. And so it's not that plan A failed and so the Israelites get kicked out the way, and then plan B is some other means. No, no, yeah, they failed. But God didn't fail because in and through the Israelites, there comes Jesus. And he, as God's own son, takes all of the wickedness and all of the sin on himself in order that God may declare innocent, 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 innocent all the people who are in the gavel, in the, in the, in the docks, um, who trust in him. All right? So that's, that's Abraham and his family. And as we understand Romans in this way, as we understand the gospel in this way, it makes perfect sense in chapter 4 why Paul spends a whole chapter talking about Abraham. Now, chapter 4, people often reduce this chapter down to just a biblical example of someone who was forgiven for their sins, not by working hard, uh, but by having faith in Jesus. And praise God for that, it is absolutely true. You are forgiven and made righteous, not by your efforts, but by having faith in Jesus. All right, but, but talking about Abraham here, is, is, is that doesn't, that's not the full picture of what's going on, of what, Paul is, uh, of what Paul is talking about here. You see, when we hear um, words like justification, when we hear words like righteousness, when we hear you know, words... Uh, you know, words like that, we're so used to hearing them uh, in a legal sense, aren't we, in a law court sense, and we forget to read them also in a, in a covenantal family sense. Remember, what was God's purposes in uh, Jeremiah uh, 31? Yes, that their sins would be forgiven. Yes, that they would be made righteous, but also that they would, he would create a people to belong to him. Now, I want to propose to you this, that words like justification and words like righteousness are not just about you having a, a, a right and moral legal standing before God, but they also mean that you are brought right into the family of God. Right? When I say you are justified, 
and made righteous, it means that you are holy and pure and blameless, but so that you may belong to him, so that you may be brought right into the family. And for too long, the gospel has stopped at forgiveness of sins and not gone on to adoption as sons and daughters. So when you hear words like justified, it's not just a legal sense, it's a family sense. Right? So, so when it talks about being justified by faith, it's also meaning being welcomed right into his family. But you see, the Jews had forgotten that because they had the law, they had the Torah, and they thought that by working the law, but they thought that by following the law, by doing the works of the law, they would be God's people, his covenant people, his family. But Paul takes them right back to Abraham and says, hey, was Abraham given a right standing before God? Was he, given a, uh, was he in God's family just because he worked hard and worked at the law? Or was it because God graciously uh, gave him this status because of his faith? And that's what verse 3 means here. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, you're doing really well. I know this is pretty dense, but just stay with me because it really does, uh, it's really important to grapple with this to understand what it means to be God's family. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. A commentator says, when Paul declares that they are freely declared to be in the right or Abraham credited you know, faithfulness, he means not simply that they are let off, which would be remarkable enough in itself, but that they are given the, the status of God's covenant people, the people to be declared in the right, in the present, far ahead of that verdict on the last day. All right, so for you to be justified means you're brought right in the family. Now, in Rome, you have this church where there's some Jewish Christians, there's some Gentile Christians, and this letter is bringing them together to both, to, for them to understand that they are both in the family of God. And, um, but what Paul is saying is that, what, what Paul is saying here is that people who are not Jews come into God's family exactly in the same way as, 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 as Jews did, which is by, uh, uh, by faith through grace. And so, uh, as another commentator can say, in the new covenant, God's family has been redefined in two ways. He has opened it up so that it includes non-Jews who believe in the gospel. All right, that's us. We are, it is opened up for us to come right in. But secondly, he has also narrowed it down so it no longer includes all Jews automatically, even though um, Jews like Paul himself and all the earliest Christians are, of course, welcome. But the badge they too must wear is that of the Christian faith. And this is exactly what God promised to Abraham. Through you... Uh, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed and there will be, you will have a massive family. That's exactly what, Je uh, God, what Jesus has achieved. So it's exactly what the Father has achieved in and through Jesus. So to belong to God's family now simply requires this, faith in a loving God who declares the ungodly godly. Right, that's all it takes now to belong to God's family. Not works of the law, not, you know, not striving hard, just faith in him who declares you to be righteous and holy now, long before that final judgment day uh, when things will pass. Now, I had a pretty 
rough week at work this week, probably the last couple of weeks. This, it's been a, a difficult project that I'm working on at the moment. And sometimes the stress and pressure of work, it causes you to, you know, uh, sometimes I'll like snap at people or sometimes, I, I just wish that, you know, in those moments, you know, you have those moments at work where you're like, well, I wish I did that a little bit more godlike or something like that. And you get to the point where you're like, oh, you know, I just wish I was a better Christian at work or, you know, whatever situation that you might find yourself in too. But as I'm just worshipping there, God just flooded my heart with just the fresh revelation that I am in his family, not because of the things that I do, not because of my works or where I've done things well or where I have not done things well. I am in God's family simply because he loves me, simply because I have faith in him that he has done an amazing work uh, in me. All right? And now, uh, now I am part of God's family. I am adopted into his family simply because he loves me and I have faith in him. All right? So adoption into God's family. It gives us a great place of security. So we will finish off here in a few verses in Romans chapter 5. Now, let's see how we're doing for time. I still we're right for time. Well, well done for getting through that, by the way. <laughs> like I say, Romans is dense and intense. But if you grapple with it and you really get to the heart of it, all right, it really is talking about a loving father who loves you, who's doing a big work and bringing a family together under him. Now that I've rattled through this, maybe I can slow down a little bit and just spend a few verses on, sorry, a few minutes on Romans chapter 5. Now, when we get to a verse like this, we often apply it individually, don't we? So if you're looking at a verse like this one here and say you were tasked tonight with running a small group, how would you apply it? You know, how would you apply it? And I'm looking through that. You know, in the past, most of this, I would encourage people in an individual sense. But what I'm, what I'm hoping this morning would have encouraged you to do is see Scripture also in a family sense, in a, in a corporate sense as well. So Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5 is not just about how individuals get right with God. What's it all, what it is all about is what God's family looks like. What, what, is, what does his family look like? What does it mean to be in his house? Now, I don't know if anyone got young children here or have had young children in the past, and, and, and you drop them off to, uh, a, you know, to their friend's house, and if you've never visited there before, uh, you just want to check it out a little bit, don't you? You know, like if you're dropping them off and leaving them there. What's this family like? You know, we, uh, my daughter had a fifth birthday, and I'm like, uh, uh, you know, I'm like snooping around in the kitchen, seeing what's in the fridge, and like, you know. No, but I, I want to know what's this family like, you know? What, what do they value? What do they hold dear? And verses like this hopefully explain what we aspire to be as a church in terms of being God's family and what it looks like. So someone walks through the door, all right, and hopefully they get a sense that, that we are trying to be God's family, you know, that we are God's family, I should say. Uh, what does it look like? And, and here is a verse which is chock-a-full of what it looks like to be God's family. So I'm just going to go through a couple of these and uh, just spend you know, very, five more minutes absolutely tops, and then, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll break there. So therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast uh, in the hope of the glory of God. Hope does not put us to shame 
because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So therefore, since we have been justified by sin, what, what, what can we say from a verse like this? What does it look like to be God's family? Well, first of all, we have been justified through faith. So we can say that we are a family of faith. All right? What defines us as a family? We're a family of faith. We believe God for things that seem so ridiculous and so unlikely, but if he's spoken, then we believe him. All right? And that's why we push out in healings and signs and miracles. That's why we cry out to him for breakthrough in our finances. That's why we cry out to our, for our children who don't know him yet. Everything we do is, is, is by faith. We're a family of faith. And so we can encourage one another as we're going through trials, as we're going through difficulties. Get beside your brothers and sisters and be like, hey, this is what God said. Speak promises into their life. And you're going through trouble at work. Hey, God said that you are going to what? Uh, you know, minister to kings. Come on, let's get through this. Uh, you know, you're going through sickness or health. Hey, God said he'll bring through all, all things uh, through it. And we do believe that he can bring about healing. So in our very DNA as a family, we are a people of faith. And sometimes that faith looks ridiculous. I remember my sister, uh, she first became a Christian. And ever since she was little, she wanted to be a missionary to Africa. Although, uh, you know, she wasn't quite sure what that meant as a non-Christian, I suppose. And she needed like $6,000 to get on a plane uh, within the first two weeks of her becoming a Christian. And I was like, oh, you know, what, you know how's that going to happen? Well, she booked the trip. She booked everything. She just didn't have the flights, all right? So she managed to get some money together. And, uh, but she believed. She had faith. And then the, on the night before she was called to, you know, jump on the plane and go, uh, which didn't have a booking yet, Someone booked the tickets, paid for the flights, and deposited a whole stack of money in her, in her bank account. She still doesn't know quite how that happened, and I'm left there like feeling quite condemned, <laughs> you know. But we are a family of faith. We are also a multi-ethnic uh, family of faith. What unifies us as Christians is our faith. And so we are, we, we are just praying and we are seeking God and we are really responding to him about being a multicultural church, all right, where people from the Netherlands can fly in and tell us about what's going on, where we can accurately represent the community around us with the Tanga Te Whenua and, and all the other nationalities that, we, that are represented here or are yet to be represented. And that's because God has done a unifying thing in and through faith. All right, so I could fly to the farthest points of the earth somewhere and have a church service. I am family with those people through faith. And so we are really, uh, really prioritising that. We're really praying into that, that we will be a multi-ethnic uh, family of faith as well. Um, the other thing I've got here is we also have peace with God. All right, I don't know if you, if you came to my house around bath time with the kids, uh, you might not say that it's a very peaceful household. Um, but when people walk through the store, we are called to be a family that, that just has the presence of God here, that they encounter peace. Okay? And, and we don't do that through striving. We do that just by receiving his love and welcoming people into a family who are loved by him. Okay? I'm just, I'm just skimming through these, really. We, but we have obtained access. Uh, there was, an, um, there was a, 
uh, I don't know if you saw that, it was a couple of months ago now, but there was a very important diplomat to South Korea, I think it was, and he was, uh, you know, on the BBC getting an interview, and uh, there he is there, and uh, some of you are smiling because you've seen the video, and, and he's on the BBC live, you know, and then, and then this little kid, like, barges into the office room and starts grabbing some stuff, and, and, and this child has direct access right to the father, Right, and that is true of us as well, isn't it? We have direct access right into the Father's presence. Now, that is true of you as an individual, right? You, uh, you have direct access into him just to enjoy him. But it also is true of us corporately, isn't it? When people come amongst us, they are right in the throne room of, of God. They are right in his purposes. They are right in his, in his presence. It is true of us as a community. We have, have obtained access into him. So that now we stand in grace. And grace is something as a church that we, that we talk about a lot, that we prioritize a lot. But basically, it means to stand in our, in our undeserved favor. All right? uh, you know, uh, grace is your unfair advantage in life. <laughs> you know? It's that God loves you, that he gifts you, he pours out his blessings on you despite anything that you have done. All right? in, in spite of anything that you have done. He, 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 he loves you and he adores you. He wants to bless you and honor you just because you're his son, not because you've achieved anything or done anything. And we stand in this. We don't cower in a corner in grace, you know, insecure. We stand in it secure. And there's lots more we could say. And to finish with this, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Jeremiah 31 talked about the new covenant work where God would do a work in our hearts. And what he's done is he has poured his spirit into our hearts that we might understand that we are God's children. All right? Now, I've been talking to you a lot about Romans, which a lot of it's up here. But what the Holy Spirit does is it comes into our hearts and makes it real in here. Right? That we understand that we are God's children, that we are loved by him. And that is the primary way that we know that we are God's children. And we could go on for the rest of the Romans, through the Romans 8, where it talks exactly uh, you know, about that. But we are loved as his children. And because we are loved as his children, he gives us his Holy Spirit. And that makes us uh, understand that we are God's children. Okay? So look, why don't we stand? And I'm just going to pray and ask God uh, to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And um, thanks, Jack. And kids will need picking up shortly, so we, um, we won't tarry. But before we rush on, just, just quiet your heart before the Father. And last week, we heard Nat talk about a son who was far away, who was distant from his father. And if that's you... I just feel that there would be an, an, an extended invitation to you this morning to come back to Him, to know that your place in His family, your, your place in his, in his wider family and in His presence is always there for you. And so His invitation to, to you this morning is come back to Him. Be embraced by the Father. Yeah, know these things in your head, but experience them in your heart. Give me an opportunity to fill me with your presence and joy. 
that you are his child. God, the Bible says there's more rejoicing over, over one person who comes back to him than 99 who didn't need to. That's the heart of the Father. Come back to him this morning. Open your heart to him and respond to his loving call. You are my son, you are my daughter, and with you I am well pleased. And this might be new to you. You may have never heard the gospel in a way that even talks about family. It may just be forgiveness of sins, but you have not realized the, the joy of adoption and the joy of coming into his family. The father would welcome you in and say, come right into the house. You don't need to stand at the door looking nervous. Come right in, check out what's in the fridge. Come and lie down on the couch and kick your shoes off. You are my son, you are my daughter, and this is your home. This is your fuddy. You belong here, you are welcome here. Not because of anything that you've done, but simply because of your faith in me. So if you've heard the gospel all of your life in a legal kind of way, but never in a family way, the invitation is for you this morning to come right in and be embraced by the Father. Thank you, Lord. Be embraced by the Father this morning.